You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. You may or may not know that for the last few years, there's been a battle going on across the country that has gone from state house to state house and onto Washington, D.C., that has the potential of destroying 59 million American workers' livelihoods. And it's the fight over what constitutes a, quote, gig worker, or also known as a freelancer or independent contractor, versus what constitutes an employee under the National Labor Relations Act for the purpose of unionization. The battle is over something called the ABC test. And without going too deep into the minutia, before I bring my guests on, I'm going to give you a brief overview of the battle and a bit of its history. As most people know, unions have been shrinking for decades. In fact, as of January, union membership in both the private and public sectors is down to about 10.3% of the American workforce. That equates to roughly 14 million members. Now, at the same time, again, as most people know, the American economy has shifted substantially. And over the last 20 or more years, there's been something called the gig economy that has emerged, where people do either part-time or full-time work for a host of different companies. And the number of so-called gig workers or freelancers or independent contractors, whatever you want to call them, across America has grown to the point where it's now about 59 million Americans who are considered gig workers or independent contractors or freelancers. So if you look at it from the perspective of a union, that's a lot of potential members and potential union dues that is just sitting there for the taking But because independent contractors cannot be unionized under the National Labor Relations Act, they need to fix it. Now, when people hear about gig workers or freelancers, most people think of rideshare drivers like Uber and Lyft because, well, frankly, that's where most of the media has focused its attention on. However, the term gig workers really applies to hundreds of other types of professions like musicians, truck drivers who are owner-operators, independent truck drivers, hairstylists, nail stylists, massage therapists, freelance writers, and a whole lot more. Now, to be frank, there are likely some people who are gig workers who would like to have full-time jobs with a company. Just as there are probably full-time job holders who would love to be able to make a living doing gig work but they don't want to make the leap. However, several studies have shown that an overwhelming majority of gig workers prefer gig work because of things like flexibility, better pay, being their own boss, and a whole lot more. So that's a little bit of the background to the battle. And as I said a minute ago, the battle is over something called the ABC test. And it began in earnest back in 2018 in California, which is what I call the Petri Petri dish of bad ideas, when the California Supreme Court ruled in a case called Dynamex that, to quote Daniel McCoy, an attorney with the law firm Fenwick, imposed a, quote, simplified but more burdensome test that businesses must satisfy 
to justify contractor status and thereby avoid compliance with minimum wage, overtime, work hours, and meal rest laws, end quote. What he didn't say there is also to unionize them. Well, shortly after the Dynamex decision, a union organizer turned state politician by the name of Lorena Gonzalez introduced a bill into the California Assembly in 2019 called the Assembly Bill 5, or AB 5 as it became known. That passed and was signed into law in 2019, which went into effect in January of 2020. Well, the effects of AB5 in California were immediate and catastrophic. Thousands of gig workers and freelancers saw their work dry up almost overnight. Then, almost as soon as it was enacted in California, it began to pop up in state houses across the country, New Jersey, New York. And at that point, simultaneous to all of this, in Washington, D.C., the Democrats in both the House and the Senate introduced the PRO Act. Now, that's the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, and it passed the House of Representatives both in 2020 and again in 2021, but so far, it's been stalled in the Senate. Now, among the many provisions in the PRO Act is the ABC test, as it was codified in California. However, given the fact that the PRO Act appears to be stalled in Congress right now, more recently, in fact, back in December, the National Labor Relations Board decided to take up the mantle of trying to redefine what constitutes an independent contractor versus an employee for the purpose of unionization. So this brings us to our guest today. For the last several years, I've been following the PRO Act and much of the union-related components to it like eliminating right-to-work states, binding arbitration and first-time contracts, ambush elections, and a host of other union issues. However, I wasn't really paying attention to AB5 in California. I'd seen some headlines about it, nor was I understanding the ABC test when I would see it in the headlines. And because it was California, didn't really care. I didn't really start grasping how it affected 59 million Americans' ability to earn a living until a friend posted an article about it online, and that was last year. So in 2021, after the PRO Act had already passed the House twice, I began to understand fully what the ABC test was all about. And I started following a group on Twitter called The Fight for Freelancers. And that's how I met, so to speak, my two guests today. Now, a little bit of background. There are thousands and thousands of freelancers across America who have banded together online to preserve their right to earn a living. And that is through fighting the ABC test. It's across the political spectrum, and they're fighting it in both the state house and at the national level. So two weeks ago, the fight for freelancers in some of their collective groups banded together and they submitted an amicus brief with the National Labor Relations Board that, well, if you've ever read an amicus brief, you need to read the Fight for Freelancers amicus brief. You'd know in reading it that it's one of the best and most reader-friendly amicus briefs ever written. So one might say my two guests are mm, reluctant warriors, so to speak. They're on the front lines in the battle to save 59 million Americans right to work as independent contractors, gig workers, and freelancers.
Kim Caven is one of the leaders of Fight for Freelancers USA, and she's a freelance writer from New Jersey who got into this fight after AB5 was passed in California, and she's one of the authors of the amicus brief that was submitted to the NLRB last week, two weeks ago. Lisa Rothstein has been on the front line since this started. She's a California-based freelancer who's been on the front lines literally since the very beginning, and I am so pleased to have them on the show. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. So, Kim and Lisa, welcome to Labor Relations Radio. I, I think we're going to be um, diving into some deeper things, but I wanted to, as we talk about the ABC test, kind of backtrack a little bit and kind of put a frame around this. Um, I've been watching and blogging and writing about the PRO Act for over a year now, and it wasn't until, I think, a mutual friend of ours, um, at least internet friend, a writer uh, who does a lot of posts, did a post on town hall and talking about the gig economy and 59 million jobs at risk. And I had DM'd her on Facebook and said, well, you know, there's more about the PRO Act than this part. And I didn't really think it was a big deal. And the more I looked into it, and I think Kim, you and I connected sometime last year, um, this is a big deal, this ABC test that's in the PRO Act, but it, it evolved from California. And Lisa, you're out in California, so you're probably one of the first to experience it, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, to, 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 I wasn't the first to know about it, but you know, it, it, it dawned on me uh, with horror like it did to so many people who just got caught completely unawares about so, it. So give us a little background in terms of the ABC test and its impact out in California. Okay, well, um, so, well, first of all, just a, you know, a little bit about, about me. I've been freelancing off and on since I used to be in, ad, in advertising agencies as, a, as a, a copywriter and creative director and other kinds of things. In the past 15 years or so, I've been, I've had my own business. I have a corporation, but it's just me. Um, I do cartoons and I do writing and I do a lot of marketing consulting, you know, kind of combined and, and depending on what my clients need from me, all kinds of storytelling services and things like that. And I was, you know, happily just living my life and doing my thing. Um, and I began to hear uh, the end, you know, near the end of 2019 about this new law coming up called AB5. <clears throat> and um, I remember I was on vacation uh, in Palm Springs when I heard about it and I'm like, well, that sounds that doesn't sound right. I mean, I had I had briefly been a Lyft driver, uh, you know, just for the heck of it, just to see what it would be like, um, and also just to sort of fill in between uh, when business was slow at, at some point. And I liked being an independent contractor. I liked being able to push the button whenever I wanted to and drive whenever I wanted to. But I, like everybody else, when all the press that was coming out about AB5 had to do with gig work like drivers, like Lyft and Uber drivers. And I thought, because of the press that it got, that it really only applied to them. And as the end of the year, as 2019 began to, to wind to a close, I began to hear more and more about like, well, no, it could apply to other freelancers too. And, and I heard about this thing called the ABC test that was in AB5. And the ABC test is a, is a kind of a criteria to determine who can be considered an independent contractor and who must be considered an employee. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll put things on your website that explain it very quickly, but A, A and B and C each refer to different conditions that must be met in order for you to be con considered an independent contractor. I'm going to paraphrase, but A 
you're outside of the control and direction of the hiring entity, meaning you can work, you know, kind of when you want, where you want, how you want, all that stuff. Um, the B part is where we have the most issues, and that is that the work you do has to be outside the usual course of business of the hiring entity, meaning, um, you know, as I used to work in advertising, I often freelance for advertising agencies, or I used to before AB5. But now, if I want to freelance for an advertising agency, I really can't under AB5 because I'm providing copywriting services for a company that whose service, whose offer is, we're going we're gonna to write copy for you, Mr. Client. So I'm so so basically the B part of the ABC test precludes you from working freelance in a field in whatever field you've got experience in because you can't go back and work independently in for in your in your in in your trained expertise it's crazy and then C most people um, can can meet and that is you have to be open for business to other clients. You can't just work for one client. So you can kind of see, if you want to give the benefit of the doubt, you can kind of see where the people who wrote the ABC test, if you want to impute good intentions to them, were going. Because if you're under the control and direction of the people hiring you, and if you're in the same line of work, and if um, you don't have any other clients, if you don't pass any of those, then basically they're, you, they might be misclassifying you. They're trying to get away with not paying payroll taxes or giving you benefits. They're treating you like an independent contractor, but you're actually, at, for all intents and purposes, an employee. And I don't think anybody who is against AB5 or the PRO Act or any of those things with the ABC test in it um, is, uh, argues with that. You know, if all of those things are, are not, if all of those things are not met, then there may be a, there may be an issue. The problem well, with the ABC test, as it is in AB five, is that you have to meet you have to meet all of them. Um, you have to not ha- have any problem with any of them, and that means that anybody in the entertainment field, a creative field, like me, um, anybody who's providing any kind of a service in their area of expertise and not an employee cannot consider themselves an independent contractor. And so, what happened was, you know, towards the end of twenty nineteen. Um, people started getting calls from clients that they'd worked with for years saying, gosh, we love your work, but we really can't work with you anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, there's this new law. Well, what law? And, it, and this is how we began to hear it. This is how we found out. Most people found out about AB5 and the ABC test because their clients dropped them. And we're talking about people who were making six figures, uh, you know, doing writing and, and consulting and, and coding and graphic design and all kinds of things. Yeah, one um, of the, and, yeah, one of the on. big head... One of the big headlines was Vox Media, who yeah. was supportive of it, dropped like 300 writers out in, in California. In one day, in one yeah. day. And, don't, and it isn't that they didn't have any writers anymore. They just went to another state that didn't have this law. Right. Or maybe they went overseas or something, which is what a lot of people were doing, including me. I don't work with any subcontractors in the United States because of 85. Um, so it's it's it was, um, you know, at first, and I even went on television like the day before it, it went into law, Thinking number one, mistakenly, that if you're incorporated, it wouldn't affect you. It does. There's no. There's no. For whatever reason, that 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 is no protection against um, against the law. And then number two, I I thought, oh, this must be a mistake. This must work collateral damage. They didn't mean this. We're not exactly like gig drivers. I mean, who all, by the way, want to, you know, 80% of them want to remain independent anyway. But you could make an argument like, well, they're providing a service and the company is, you know, basically this is what they do. They're, they're providing a, a service, a transportation service, and these people are transporting people. Why aren't they employees? I can, you could, you could, you could, you could make that argument, I suppose, if you wanted to. But, but the people that I knew, people like me and people like Kim, you know, it doesn't apply to us at all. And it has been so infuriating that all of the press, 99% of the press has been all about 
um, even before Prop 22, which we'll talk about later, um, has been all about gig work, as if as if as if independent contracting just was born when Uber was born. And, one of the, one of the yeah. first victims, and the the term gig comes from musicians, right? They they used to or they go out and do gigs. Well, so. yeah, I mean, all, all freelancers talk about gigs. I mean, I you know when I got an advertising. Uh, assignment and engagement, I would call that a gig because it's, it's, it's finite. It's doesn't, it's, it's for a day, it's for a week. It, it has a right. beginning and an end. It's not a job that could go on forever until you get a gold watch, you know? Right. So um, I read an article probably last year as one of the legal, um, legal evaluations or analysis on the uh, ABC test. And one of the issues with the ABC test was between A and B and C, they used the term and not or yes, exactly and so it's all encompassing you have to you have to hit all three all thresholds. of them and it's very very hard in uh, to, to be a legitimate independent contractor and hit all three there are a lot of states that have the exact same abc test but you can do a and b or a and c or c and a or something like that right and it's much easier um it's still they're still they're still not great but it's much easier like if i didn't have to fulfill b and for most creative people if you did if b wasn't there if i only had to fulfill a and c i work independently at my own, you know, from, from wherever at what at three in the morning, if I want to, and I have multiple clients. So those two things, I have no trouble uh, fulfilling. And I don't have a, I don't even have a moral or ethical issue with that. Those being required, you know, I, but, but would, but would be, be is the sticking point for most people that I know, because it precludes you from working in, in the, in, in the field in which you have the most talent. Um, and, uh, you know, not, companies, it also precludes companies from basically doing, you know, flexible kind of staff augmentation, you know, so, so I'm not talking about big humongous companies, but smaller companies who may only have seasonal needs or they're, they're doing, a, for example, in an advertising agency, you're pitching new business and you need a, a, you need a few extra people to kind of come in and help with the pitch. That's right. a very finite gig. And you don't, those people you don't have jobs for those people, especially if you don't win the business, there will be no job for that person. So it's just a, you, know, you come in and you're drop, and the people who are doing the, um, the freelancing in that situation are happy to just come in, you know, do their thing and leave and collect their money and go some, do something else. Um, and so everybody was happy. That's the thing that's so annoying about all this. Nobody was, was complaining about being abused or exploited. You know, every, the, the company, it worked for the companies, it worked for the freelancers. And then, the, then the government comes in and tries to get in the middle of all this um, you know, and I couldn't understand why it was happening. Uh, but then, you know, the more I, the more I read and the more, and I, and I, like I said at the beginning, I thought it must be a mistake. They didn't mean people like me and Kim and they couldn't possibly mean musicians and artists and small theater companies who couldn't possibly you know, even afford to pay people as employees, even if that would be appropriate, you know, uh, children's theaters, small opera companies that could barely, you know, keep the lights on. I mean, and 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 for and who who would put on like a performance, a couple of performances a season, uh, you know, those people are not. Everyone understands those people are not employees, you know. But but then the more I looked at it, the more I saw that it was. It it appears to be, you know, at the very least. Uh, uh, if not intentional, at least it's kind of like almost a bonus that we get that our that our livelihoods get get crushed. Um, it's 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 a feature, not a bug, is what I'm is what I'm trying to say. It so from like. from a timing standpoint, AB five, which is the ABC test, passed in 2019 in California. Gavin Newsom signed it into law. 
It well, he signed a, it in, in September of 2019, and it became law on the 1st of January 2020, which 20, was right. insanely fast. That was the other thing. They rushed it. Nobody knew about it. Everybody was scrambling like crazy. The lawyers didn't understand it. Everyone was like, nobody knew what they were supposed to do. There was no education. There was no warning. There was no uh, training. There was no place to go online to find out how to comply. There was nothing. But you the know? effects of it started immediately, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, lucky for me, um, you know, most of my clients aren't in California. Many of them aren't even in the United States. So even though the California EDD claims to be able to enforce AB5 in other states, I don't know how they would go about that to find, you know, somebody in New Jersey, um, you know, $25,000 for using me as a freelancer. I mean, most of the things that I do actually do do meet the requirements of of AB5, just, you know, by, by the luck of uh, the, the luck of the kind of work that I do, you know, it, it's not because I, it's not because I fixed it or was smart about it. I just, I happen to be one of the lucky, you know, not exactly exempt, but one of the lucky allowed um, things, at least some of the things that I do, but some of the things are not, you know, I, there are certain things that I cannot, I can no longer um, do, uh, you know, under AB5 without my clients getting in trouble. And that's the bad part too, is that, you know, if you work as a, as a freelancer um, in the, in the AB5 world and, and, and you, you're caught, it's not you who suffers, it's your client. You know, they're the ones who get fined. You're not committing any crime or anything like that, but they'll, but they could be um, fined for misclassifying me, even though I have a contract with them, even though I'm a, a grown woman, I agreed and it was my contract and we agreed, you know, the consenting adults, they can say, no, she should have been an employee with benefits and sick days and workers well, comp and sexual harassment training. It's like, what are you talking about? It's all you those know? greedy corporations taking advantage of you. I know I'm, 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 I've been, I've been doing this my, on my own for like two decades. I must, I'm, but I must need protection. You're a victim. I know right. I'm, I'm, I'm just a victim. I need, I need uh, the nanny state to take care so, of. So, so the ABC test um, shortly thereafter kind of went nationwide. Uh, but before they, before it went nationwide, I mean, they started talking about the pro act um, right around the same time. I think it passed the house the first time in 2020 yeah. and then again in 2021. So, but they started doing it. It's like all, all kind of California is a petri dish, I think, for bad ideas, and then it just kind of—it's like a oh, contagion. Yeah. It's, that comes it's like the innovation country. capital of the world for everything, including including shitty laws. So you know? then it went to New Jersey, I think. Next, Kim. Yeah. So what happened was, as you said, Gavin Newsom signed it in September 2019, and we were sitting out here in New Jersey we knew some of the freelance writers in California were all members of professional organizations and whatnot, and their clients started to dump them. And we kind of looked at it from out here and said, wow, crazy Californians sucks to be them. I feel awful for them. And then we went on about our lives. It didn't even occur to us that anything other than that was happening. Two months after Gavin Newsom signed that ABC test law in California, a copycat bill showed up in New Jersey during a lame duck session with less than two months to go, a copycat version signed up, showed up a day or two after that in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it very quickly became evident that this was a plan. This was a rollout of a policy that they were going to get through some of the bigger, more highly populated blue states so that the, they could then go and say, look, we're already doing this in XYZ number of states. Let's now take it federal. But by the time 
it got to California, we already realized there was an issue. The way I found out about it, I was sitting on my couch and looking at my phone and across Facebook comes my writer friend Gwen with a Facebook post that said, holy S-H-I-T, <laughs> California's AB5 is coming to New Jersey. And all of us saw that and said, what? Because we didn't even know what the ABC test really was. We just knew our friends in California because of this thing called AB5, their clients were, were canceling business that had ex they had, had relationships for decades and the clients all of a sudden couldn't work with them anymore. So we made a Facebook group just among ourselves in New Jersey and said, what are we going to do about this? And one of our friends got the idea to write an op-ed that ran in the Philadelphia Inquirer, which covers South Jersey, which is where our state right. house is. And she said, what are you, what are you morons doing? That's <laughs> basically the point of her op-ed. I'm not exploited. I, I make 100000 a year, whatever she wrote. She wrote this great op-ed about that you're not helping anybody with this. You're hurting people like me who are choosing to be our own bosses. And when that thing landed, the number of goons that came out of the woodwork was quite high. And um, everyone from labor lawyers to um, union people just pounding on her, calling her up, being just it was bullying behavior. And as offensive as we found all that, we also went, well, I guess these are the enemies <laughs> or our opponents or whatever you want to call it. And they don't seem to like that. So let's do more of it. And we started blanketing the state in op-eds and our, we gave our Facebook group a name. We made a website. We made a press list. Yep. We started doing press. And so Fight for Freelancers was born and it got big enough. People started seeing our stuff in the paper who were not writers and joined our Facebook group. And suddenly inside of a couple of weeks, literally a couple of weeks, we had thousand, a couple thousand members. And um, we went down and testified in Trenton about the bill and we kept them there for almost five hours we packed that hearing room and said, you're hurting me, you're hurting me. And then they lost the votes and they couldn't get it through. So that, that stopped their big rollout plan. We were told if we wanted any changes to the bill, I got hold of the assembly version sponsor on the phone and he said, listen, happy to talk about the bill, but really who you need to go talk to is take a meeting with the AFL-CIO. That's who's writing the bill. And I thought, well, who are the AFL-CIO and why do they have a say in my freelance writing? gigs. What, what's going on here? And so like, like Lisa, at first we just thought it was a mistake. And the more we talked to these folks, we realized this is not a mistake. We have been deemed acceptable collateral damage in the quest to wipe independent contractors out and bring in as many employees as possible into the workforce, because that's who can legally be unionized. Right. That's what this is about. Yeah, and we under the Taft-Hartley Act, independent contractors cannot be unionized. So they want fewer independent contractors to exist. That's we what should, this is. We should probably unpack this a little bit because there's definitely a motivation for the ABC test to go national. Um, and the, so the figures I've seen, there's 59 million freelancers or gig workers out there. There's 14 million roughly union members. Unions, as everybody knows, have been declining for decades. Um, and part of the problem for the unions is you've got all these freelancers that are doing what ordinarily union members could be doing. And so there's, there is a motivation there to make people, as you just said, more unionizable. I don't know that that's an actual word, um, but that's where a lot of this stems. And so 
again, going back to AB5, the author of that bill was a woman by the name of Lorena Gonzalez, who came from the United Food and Commercial Workers, went into the state assembly. Hard-carrying teamster. Yep. Um, and so she's she's gotten a couple bills passed in California, and then just earlier this year left the California State Assembly, is back in the union movement as a, uh, I think she's the head of the, either the the California Labor Federation or one of the other things now, but she's- I think it's the California Labor Federation, but yeah. the crazy thing is, I mean, she, she, this woman, you know, she was an assemblywoman from a very small district on the border with Mexico. Um, right. she, she moved there in order to run for that seat. She, 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 it was a, it was a seat that was vacated by someone, you know, kind of that she knew that are very, you know, they're all, they were all very palsy with each other. Um, and so, and the, and the turnout was very low. So it was basically, she basically walked right into that seat. And, you know, from there, she, she had an agenda. She was funded by like over $4 million in union donations from what I was able to find online. Um, and she had, she basically came in there carrying water for the union. That was really her entire, her entire agenda. She would, She didn't actually say so, but she didn't really, sometimes she did. I mean, there were lots of times when she said, oh, we just want to unionize everybody. And she would, she would talk about how proud she was to be a teamster and all this other stuff. And meanwhile, she's supposed to be representing Californians, you know. And then, you know, when we complained to her, when we still thought, we innocently thought that we were, um, you know, collateral damage and that was not intentional, um, you know, we, we complained to her. She laughed at us and mocked us and said, oh, those aren't real jobs anyway. And I mean, it was, it was needlessly cruel and was it was stupid too because i do think that she had preferred as much as she loves her union folks she would have preferred to be to have been tapped for secretary of state or sent to the senate when when kamala harris became vp but her behavior towards um towards uh, the freelancers who were begging for their livelihoods especially after covid came along um this happened before covid and then covid strikes so imagine imagine how it felt to be a californian who'd been working online for years now everybody's at home working online, working from home, and we're the only ones who, if you go on Upwork, it says, "Sorry, if you're in California, you can't apply for this gig." So, you know, and and she just she was incredibly uh, rude, dismissive, profane, and it was like, "What is wrong with you?" But these people, I, they really like the folks, like the people who attacked um, that you know people in New Jersey that Kim was just talking about. They have this agenda. They want it. They want to get it through by hook or by crook. And anybody who stands in their way is, you know, is, is, is just there to be crushed. It doesn't matter what, you know, what legitimate grievances they might have. There's no compromise. I mean, she did compromise, I will say compromise. She was kind of forced to the table by some writers here in California. Um, and, and so AB5 no longer really exists. The law has morphed into, into something called AB2257, um, which it gave some relief to certain uh, to certain creative types. For example, here was the here was the when AB five first came out, you couldn't be a freelance writer for a newspaper if you wrote more than thirty five articles or thirty five submissions for um, for any any publication. You could that's why Vox let let all those writers go right. because thirty five you're going to get done in like a month, right? Um, and she didn't really know how it worked. Somebody, some, someone had some meeting with her and told her like, well, you know, if they, if, if a person has 52, like a 52 week column, then there really should be like a, like an employee. So let's just pick another number. And she admits, she said, oh yes, it was arbitrary. 
So imagine you're sitting there with with a with a career that you love, and some woman just decides, oh, you you, you know, after 35 they have to make you an employee, which of course they're not going to do, you know. And she and and then when you know when she's called on, she said, oh yeah, it was arbitrary. So what? She literally said those words. But so but there was enough blowback online and whatever that she. I don't think she did it out of the goodness of her heart. She saw that she was getting um, politically damaged by this. So she did, she did make, she did remove that cap, that, the 35 submission cap for writers, photographers. Um, help, it helped people like me, it, it, cartoonists and people like me. So that's one reason why I'm allowed to work, you know, for some of my, the clients that I work for. Right. So the important thing for people to understand who are listening nationwide, the folks who are sponsoring these laws, these bills, this this ABC test stuff that's popping up all over the place now, their purpose, their intent, their goal is to grow unions. Anything else that happens is irrelevant in that process. We, we had the same thing here in New Jersey. The sponsor of the bill was the president of our state Senate, a guy named Steve Sweeney. Um, he was getting paid about 65 grand a year to run the Senate and about 250 grand a year as the vice president of the Iron Workers Union. Um, and yes, that's Steve Sweeney, who got beat by a truck driver in the right, most exactly. recent election. We, we cheered out here and um, he ended up on Saturday Night Live as a joke and a laughingstock. Yeah. But well, he had been in there for like 20 years. I mean, he was very there powerful when guy. I lived in New Jersey. Incredibly powerful guy. And I had a similar experience to what Lisa just described. I was able to get in a room with him. After that, fought nearly five hours of testimony of people like us saying, this is not right, that you're not building unions, you're just wiping out people's small businesses. What are you doing? And he, when I explained that I was a freelance writer, he made air quotes with his fingers and started laughing at me and said, freelance writer, what does that even mean, freelance writer? Like it was just a big joke, and it, and yeah. it was it was in that moment that I realized this is a fight. We're in a. We thought we were. We thought it was a mistake. We thought they just didn't understand. Yeah, that's not what was happening. You know, These the first time I heard you tell that fight. story. The first time I heard you tell that story, Kim. I mean, I was appalled, but now I see you tell. I hear you tell it again, and I'm thinking. This this may be too kind to Sweeney when he doesn't deserve it, but I really do think that a lot of people don't really really understand that it's possible to work for yourself that that, that that's even that that he's like when he says what does that even mean he really doesn't know what it means you know and he doesn't want to know they don't understand I'll, it at all and so I'll go, well, they don't want to understand but i'll go further than i'll just i'll let you I'll, I'll shut up in a second but i'll go further than what you said before which was you just said um you know anything that stands in their way or anything whatever is is, is uh they don't care they just they, they don't care about anybody else except the unions i'll go further than that my, my opinion now is that independent contractors being eliminated as a choice, as a, as a choice in this country, is planned and, and, and it is part of the strategy to make union jobs the only game in town if you want to get something done in this country. Um, you have to hire a union worker, and if you want to feed your family, you have to be a union worker. And, there's, and if, if independent contracting ex- exists, even on the fringes, as any kind of a uh, an off-ramp from, from traditional labor and union labor, they don't want to let that let that loophole, as I, I'm sure they see it that way, exist. Um, well, they that's, don't want that's been the case forever. Escape, you know, um, they don't want anybody to escape there. And to, to your point, Peter, there's something in the vicinity of 60 million of us, and there's about 14 million of them. 
what it's does it growing. matter? I mean, more and more people are, are working for themselves, especially younger people. They're not, I mean, some, I assume, look, younger people who work for a company, I understand that people want to collectively bargain. So this is the other thing that really bothers me about uh, people who, who, who pit us against union people at, when, when fighting against things like the PRO Act is, you know, the Protection of the Right to Organize Act. That's, you know, I mean, no one has, no one has any issue with the right to organize. We don't have a problem with the right to organize. If I were in a job, I would, I would, I might want to be a member of, of the union because it's, you know, you do have more say if you have, if you can collectively bargain, but it should be your choice. And, and they, and for them to exist, there should, that should not mean that we don't get to exist. So that's, that's well, the, uh, that's the issue here. Part of, part of the problem. And I've been on both sides as a union guy and, and on the other side of the table now, part of the problem. Um, and I noticed this when I was in the union as a young union rep, I was at a meeting with um, management executives with a bunch of the union executive board shortly after we had a changeover in the union and management was presenting all these facts and figures of our facility. And we had a, a large plant. I used to work for one of the old Ma Bell telephone companies. And I, the plant manager was going through ROI, you know, return on investment and all these facts and figures and stuff. And back then they had overhead projectors. And I remember looking down the table. Now I was in my early 20s, maybe mid-20s. And I looked down the table. And when he used the term ROI, and I looked down there, and these are all union guys older than me, nobody knew what they were talking about. Like management, you know, they're talking all these facts and figures, and everybody's like, huh? <laughs> so part of it, when you get to like how they pass laws, you know, I, I'm sure you're aware of the fight for 15 movement. And, you know, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. There was an article back, I want to say it's 2013, 2014, where they came up with the $15 an hour minimum wage, the fight for, at a union meeting in Brooklyn, or might have been the Bronx, where they had a bunch of activists and they said, well, should we ask for 10? They're like, no, that's too little. Should we ask for 20? No, that's too high. So they settled on $15 an hour. No economic studies, nothing. So when you talk about like, the ABC test or AB5 and then PROACT and, and whatever the other state bills are, they really haven't studied the economic impact. And then once they do, if they care, that's another issue. But Our experience talking to lawmakers, state and federal now, they don't know that we exist. It is incomprehensible to some of these folks that we've been earning our livings this way for 10, 20, 30 years. It just never occurred to them that people can make a good living and not be an employee of somebody else. So I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I've been reading the amicus brief that you filed with the Atlanta opera. Right. And let me just say that was one of the best amicus briefs I've ever read. Well, thank I, you. I've read a lot of those, but, and you, you had a point. I was watching the podcast you did last week about, you know, professional writers doing amicus briefs. Um, but one of the points you had in there was the, uh, fact that the, let me just say gig workers, so to speak, the majority of them, a lot of them are women. And the impact of an AB5 or ABC test would be more harmful to women because of the flexibility and everything else than it would, you know, your ordinary truck driver or something like that. Yeah, what we talk about, so the way we got to, why did we have to write and file an amicus brief, right? It's a crazy sounding thing. I didn't even know what it was two months yeah. ago so and let's let's before you how go did we there, actually get there <laughs> so yeah before you get to the amicus brief um so 
We went from New Jersey. They tried to do it in New York. Right. They passed made, in the House. The well, Pro we Act. made enough noise in New Jersey that it died. And at that point, it was still Governor Cuomo in New York. He looked at what had happened in California. You were already starting to see the wreckage with people like Lisa screaming and yelling in the press. And they were starting to see, wait a minute, this is about way more than Uber drivers. You saw this uprising of regular people who'd never been to the state house in their lives in New Jersey, enough so that it that it made it so that they lost the votes and they couldn't pass the bill. Then um, Governor Cuomo looked at that and said, well, maybe let's make a commission to study this instead of trying to show it, it all slowed down and then COVID hit, right? So as of January, 2020, we found out that the New Jersey bill was dead. We started to see that New York was gonna slow down. We went to bed thinking, well, what the heck was that? Let's get a good night's sleep and, and try to figure it out tomorrow. And we woke up the next day and, and learned about this thing called the Protecting the Right to Organize Act because a bunch of senator um, representatives in the US House of Representatives had sent a letter to Nancy Pelosi saying, we need to bring this thing to the floor of the House and get this voted on at a federal level. And if you open up the Protecting right, the Right to Organize Act, very top of page one, what's there? The ABC test. They couldn't get it done in the states, so now it became, okay, let's get it done at the federal level. They passed it through the House, but it didn't go anywhere because the Republicans controlled the Senate and Donald Trump was the president. And he said he would, I don't know if he actually he said, said he, he would veto it, it but he he would. yeah. So that was the end of that. Then, obviously, what changed was who controls what in Washington. And then we found ourselves in a position where now the Democrats control everything. And Joe Biden has very vocally kept saying he is going to be the most pro-union president ever. This is the number right. one legislative priority of labor is, is getting this thing through. So... What happened this time is the PRO Act made it through the House. It has so far stalled in the Senate because just three Democrats have said, I'm not adding my name to this. They are Kirsten Sinema and Mark Kelly of Arizona and Mark Warner of Virginia. Both Mark Kelly and Mark Warner said publicly that one of the main reasons was we don't want to wipe out legitimate independent contractors, people who are choosing to be their own bosses. So we are the reason that that bill is not it's incredible. It, it's incredible. And when 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 it passed the House, it actually passed the House twice. Um, when it passed, because because they had to do it, they had to do it again because the session was over. Um, you know, Democrats who who didn't want to vote for that bill were threatened by then head of uh, oh, whatever the, the what Richard Trumka, Richard yeah. Trumka, who's since deceased. You know, at the time, basically said, "Don't expect a dollar or a door knock if you don't." vote for this bill. It was really threatening. And right. now it's in writing. You can find yeah, it. It's in writing. And now I just want to I just want to quote to you. Like if I just I if you put in Google Joe Biden ABC test, you get a whole bunch of things. But one of them is um is a, is kind of a manifesto um at JoeBiden.com. It's JoeBiden.com forward slash empower workers. And if you scroll down he says, uh, or it says, um, as as part of uh, as part of a, a section called "Ensure that all workers are treated with dignity and receive the pay, benefits, and workplace protections they deserve." So, if you scroll down under that, um, there's a bullet point that says, 
Ensure workers in the quote-unquote gig economy and beyond receive the legal benefits and protections they deserve. Employer misclassification of gig economy workers as, as independent contractors deprives these workers of legally mandated benefits and protections. Employers in construction, service industries, and other industries also misclassify millions of their employees as independent contractors to reduce their labor costs at the expense of these workers. This epidemic of misclassification is made possible by ambiguous legal tests that gives too much discretion to employers, too little protection to workers, workers and too little direction to government agencies and courts. States like California have already paved the way by adopting a clearer, simpler, and stronger three-pronged ABC test to distinguish employees from independent contractors. The ABC test will mean many more workers will get the legal protections and benefits they should rightfully receive. As president, Biden will work with Congress to establish a federal standard modeled on the ABC test for all labor, employment, and tax laws. So, so that's, the PRO Act is part one labor, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so, so they, they couldn't get it through Congress. And, well, and, and now they're hiding the, it everywhere in every other bill, they, in, in, in infrastructure, in, in reconciliation, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're, mis, they're naming it other things in other bills. They're, they're, it's, it's like a turn in the punch bowl everywhere you look. Yeah, and for, for the listeners, the PRO Act, which is currently stalled because the as – Kim mentioned the uh, three senators that have not signed on to it. Thank God for them. Um, that is a hodgepodge of just about every single union wish list out there. And in the three senators are both from right to work states or all yeah, the two states that those three senators represent are from right to work states. But one of the big things is that the PRO Act also eliminates right to work states, which means that you can force workers to pay unions to, as a condition of employment. So there's there's some interesting dynamics going on. Um, yeah. So, so the way we got from there to the brief is so they can't get it through Congress. Well, they need now a plan C. Right. They couldn't roll yep. it through all the states because people saw what happened in California and rose up to fight against it. So they said, well, let's take it to Congress. Now they can't get it through Congress because there's a couple of very smart senators who publicly came out and said, wait a minute, I see you 60 million people. I don't want to do that to you. So now they're going with plan C, which is regulatory workarounds. And the two places that that battle ground is taking place right now are the United States Department of Labor and the National Labor Relations Board. The US Department of Labor rescinded the rule that was in place, that was just put in place by the last administration to stop this nonsense. When, when Labor Secretary Scalia announced it, he did a whole op-ed that said, we see what's happening in California. We don't want anything like AB5 nationwide. We're going to put a rule in place at the U.S. Department of Labor that, that stops this craziness for independent contractors. The Biden administration rescinded that rule. They're in the process of figuring out what they're going to replace it with. Meanwhile, at the National Labor Relations Board, the Biden administration has now filled that board with a majority of people who are former union lawyers and who've come out publicly and said, we believe there's a ton of misclassified independent contractors. And in late December, a couple of days after Christmas, when everybody was either hungover on fruitcake or like searching around for Omicron at-home COVID tests, that's what was happening. They put out a call and said, listen, we're going to reopen a case that nobody actually asked us to reopen, but we're going to take another look at what independent contractor standards should be used. What do you think, America? Send us an amicus brief. And so my first question was, well, what the heck's an amicus brief? And how do I write one and file one? <laughs> because 
we all know where this is going. Those of us who've been battling this since 2019 understand exactly where this is going. And so we got hold of, I got hold of some successful amicus. Is it amicus, amicus? I don't even know how to say I it. Say I say amicus, but I'm, amicus. Probably, I'm not a lawyer. I just sleep at home <laughs> once in a while. I got, uh, I got hold of some successful ones and I learned the format and I asked some lawyers, how do you do the legal citations for the handful of cases we need to cite? Because I didn't know how to do legal citations. And I wrote this brief. And then like everything with Fight for Freelancers, I, I showed it to our other leaders. We all went through it. We made edits. We made, we're all writers and editors. We, we made it as good as we could make it. And then um, some lawyer said to me, you, you need other people to co-sign it. And I said, why? And they said, well, if it's just you, it looks maybe too small or what, you know, you go see if other people will join you in this. So we, at that point, all kind of knew each other in New Jersey and California and Fight for Freelancers USA has its own Facebook group for a while now. And we got people from all over the country who have started figuring out what's going on here and working on this. So we all just kind of reached out to other independent contractors we knew who were members of other organizations. Everyone from the American Society of Journalists and Authors to the National Association of Judicial interpreters and translators. And we said, can we show you this thing that, that we wrote that we're going to file? Well, by the time the filing deadline rolled around on February 10th of this year, we had an amicus brief that was co-signed by organizations representing more than a quarter million American independent contractors, making the case that we want to remain independent that the National Labor Relations Board and anybody else who will please, for the love of God, read it, needs to understand the majority of us are happy and we're fine and we're not misclassified. We do not want what happened to California to happen anywhere else. So do not, under any circumstances, bring in this ABC test at the federal level. And yes, to your earlier question, Peter, the last section is about how this is particularly unfair to a lot of women. Um, we started to realize just how many women choose to be their own bosses when we created the Fight for Freelancers Facebook groups because all the membership, it was like 70 to 80% women. Whether we created a, a New Jersey-specific group or a USA group, it was all women. And at first we thought maybe it's an aberration. So we started looking at like California Freelance Writers United, their Facebook group, and, and other groups of freelancers. It's tons of women. And so then we went and started looking for data, which people can find in the amicus brief if they want to read it. It's all referenced in there. Um, it turns out the IRS and the, um, uh, they worked with, who did they work with? The um, University of Michigan, New York University, New York University researchers, they did this big report that looked back at tax data going back to uh, 2001 and it showed what they called a structural shift in the workforce with more women moving into, into independent contractor work. And over time, you know, you can see study after study showing women saying we're happier as our own bosses without people telling us what to do. We need the flexibility because we're the ones dealing with the kids or the elderly parents or whoever right. else needs help. We, we're tired of having our asses and our boobs grabbed on the job. We'd rather be our own bosses and not have to put up with those kinds of people all day long. We can make more money this way because nobody can tell us what we can earn. We can set our own rates and turn down lousy, cruddy jobs that, that we don't want to take. Um, 
a lot of women do very well this way. Uh, and especially women of a certain age, which is my age, I'm going to be 50 this year. And we all know what happens to women who are over 40 or 50 in the workplace. It's really, really hard to get a traditional job. But as an independent contractor, when you're a highly skilled person who can, who can do all kinds of things like graphic design and bookkeeping and writing and whatever it is, the sky's the limit. And nobody cares how old you are or how you look in a miniskirt because you're not there. They're not looking at you. You don't have to put up with that kind of sexism. So the end of our brief is a quote from a woman named Lila Stromer. It's the story of how she was an editor and at age 52, she was fired. And that was on a Friday. And on the next Monday, there was a kid in the, in the same chair taking her place. And she tried to go get a new job and she couldn't. And she decided to just start freelancing and just figured out, wow, this is so much better. I like this. I like being my own boss. How dare anybody try to take that option away when that's the only option that I have left and when I like it and when I can succeed at it. And that is what our brief is about. Yes, it's it's a response to the question the National Labor Relations Board was asking, but it's a, that brief is a culmination of several years of a lot of people, many of them women, getting to know each other and fighting this battle all across the country and becoming friends and joining together. And I got to tell you, the response has been senators willing to take my calls, CEOs wanting to talk to me, um, people calling me and saying, my group didn't know you were doing this. Are you doing another one? We want to sign on. I have had nothing but incoming praise. The, the movement is growing and it shouldn't even exist. There is absolutely no reason for any of us to have to be doing this. But what these lawmakers are doing most successfully, I, is that the most successful? You tell me, you know, unions. is this the most successful organizing drive in history? They've united hundreds of thousands of independent contractors against them. That's yeah, what this they is, did. So on the union side, we often refer to to union rallies and, and movements as AstroTurf. This is truly grassroots. So this is just I, angry I have people. A, yeah. I have a couple questions. Um, so you mentioned Fight for Freelancers USA, Fight for Freelancers New Jersey. Is there a, and and Lisa, are you a part of one of the groups? I'm I'm, you know, a member in every in every group. I mean, I've been uh, but I mean I'd spend I spent most of my time because of of California in the Freelancers Against AB5 Facebook group because we were dealing, you know, with local politicians and Lorena Gonzalez and, and 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 fielding questions from all different kinds of people. Well, I'm a I'm a birthday clown. Am I allowed to work? Am I, I'm a I'm a clarinetist. You know, am right. I allowed to do? I mean, so that's basically where we were spending most of our time. The at least the first year of uh, of AB five, and then and then COVID came and everything, and we were we worked really hard to try to get Gavin Newsom to. You, here's here's another outrage. You know, we we're still in a state of emergency at the time of this recording. We're still in a state of emergency in California that has been going on for over two years that you know that it's they're supposed to like expire after three months but it's been going on for two years and, two and, weeks yeah and gavin newsom that, that has allowed gavin newsom to do a lot of things unilaterally with a stroke of a pen without having to consult the legislature so it's not as if he couldn't have suspended ab5 just during COVID so that some of us could put food on the table but he refused to do it and and you know we have a super majority in in um in california so they don't have to listen to any voices from anybody that they don't want to 
Um, so we have this assemblyman um, who's really been a, like, you know, like a little pit bull on this. And then Kevin Kiley, who now is running for Congress, I'm going to be sorry to see him leave California. But um, so sorry to see him leave Sacramento because uh, I hope he wins. But, um, you know, he, he kept trying to bring bills to the floor, um, emergency, you know, urgency um, laws and things like that. And they would not, Lorena Gonzalez and especially, but nobody, they never even were able to be discussed. They were tabled before they could even be discussed. We signed, we sent around petitions. She threw them on the floor of the assembly. It was absolutely outrageous. Um, so, um, so yeah, so we had a lot to deal with in California. And then the Pro, when we found out the PRO Act was happening, we, we were like the canary in the coal mine trying to warn it, the rest of the country. And it's been very hard because even people, you know, there are still a lot of people in California who don't know about AB5, you know, until they catch you, until they catch your employer, they don't, people are just, are basically, they're, they're, they're breaking the law and they don't know it. So, but, that, but, but ignorance is not an excuse. Right. If, if, if an employer is found to have been misclassifying you in California, they can fine you up to $25,000 per, per contractor per year, retroactive to 2017. So when the new budget came out in 2020 and everybody was surprised that, that $32 million had been earmarked for enforcement of AB5, and even though all this money, they were having trouble with balancing the budget because of COVID and everything, that was, that was still a line item that was still in there. I, people were like surprised, like, why did they not, why didn't they just give you guys some relief? Why didn't they, why didn't they take, you know, why didn't they back off a little bit? And, and, I, and I realized, actually, this is a cash cow. This is, this is, this is not a, a cost, this is an investment. Because if they can get twenty five thousand dollars per contractor for a year by, by basically uh, you know doxing employers who, um, who who unwittingly hired a freelancer when they should have been an employee, um, you know they only needed they only needed really to have eight hundred instances, I think it was twenty million dollars. They only needed to have eight hundred instances of of you know of, of that in order to in order to basically make their make their nut. And after that, it was pure profit. So I really do believe. I mean, they'll find any way to squeeze you for money in the state. And um, the same thing happened with EDD, with um, with, with universe with um, unemployment insurance. Um, Lorena Gonzalez and others, either ignorantly or maliciously, encouraged freelancers who who needed work and who were and who were out of work and had no money and COVID was happening to oh sure you can apply for unemployment insurance. And so they went to the unemployment office begging for money and they said well who did you work for last year? And so they would just tell who their clients were, and then the clients would get a call saying, "Hey, did you, did you uh, employ this person? Because they, because it sounds like they should have been an employee. That'll be twenty five thousand dollars, please. That'll be five thousand dollars, please. That'll be Ooh, this." Yeah, that it was, was sneaky. Yeah, it was basically they used they used freelancers as a as moles without realizing it. The bait. They really, yeah, they were basically <laughs> like honey traps for them, and they it, we were like their enforcers. We were able to kind of ferret out the, uh, the 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 violations for them without them having to do anything. And of course, they didn't give any freelancers um, unemployment insurance. Wow. Right? And, and what you have to understand is one of the people who did that. You can go back and find it on her Twitter feed. Was a woman named Julie Sue. She was she was one of the people encouraging that to happen. Right. She is now the number two person in the United States Department of Labor. Yeah, she got a promotion for this. Uh. This is this is what has happened. The the we took a meeting, um, I don't even remember when it was, with a woman uh who at the time was uh running policy for United States Senator Patty Murray, who is the primary sponsor of the PRO Act. And right. We said to her, my friend Karen was on the line, one of the leaders of Fight for Freelancers USA. Karen said to her, I had 30 clients last year. My best case scenario 
under this ABC test. Best case scenario is overnight I go from being my own boss with clients of my choosing, doing the work when I want to do it, how I want to do it. All of a sudden overnight, my best case scenario is that I have 30 part-time bosses. Now, what rational, a rational answer to that statement is, well, that's just crazy. Karen, who would want 30 part-time bosses? You'd have and no to, business deductions. You'd either. have to be crazy. Yeah. Well, this woman's response was, I have no problem with that. That outcome's fine with me. That woman now, part of the leadership team at the U.S. Department of Labor, all these people who have been pushing this and working on this are now being moved into positions in the federal government to get it done. This is why you see stories popping up now about a guy named David Weil, W-E-I-L, David Weil, who has been nominated to become the wage and hour administrator at the U.S. Department of Labor. He wrote an entire book called The Fishered Workplace about how, might have been The Fishered Workforce, whatever. His, his point is, the good way things used to be when we had companies, big companies with unions, and everybody was all in the one company with the one union, that was the ideal. Now everything's broken apart and fissured with all these independent contractors, and we got to put it back together again. That's the entire point of his book, and this is now who's going to become the top cop for the it's U.S. Incredible. Department of Labor like, as it changes its independent contractor standard. This is, you got to understand what happened in the States and how the people rose up against it to understand why what's happening at the federal level is not an accident. This is not a mistake. This is a continuation of a plan that they're going to try to get through however they can get it through. And that's why people like us find ourselves saying, well, what's an amicus brief and how do I file it with the National Labor Relations Board? That's what it has come to. So, so let's talk a little bit. Let me come back to the structure of Fight for Freelancers USA, and then you've got a whole bunch of other groups at the state levels, right? Is there any kind of steering body or a coalition umbrella that you've got? What happened was we created Fight for Freelancers New Jersey just because that's where we're from and right. when the bill pops up. Then when we realized it was happening in other states, the Facebook group got a little unruly, so we made other groups. We made Fight for Freelancers New York. There was Fight for Freelancers Washington State, um, all these different places that we needed to just kind of separate the information so people could talk to each other from those states. When we found out the PRO Act existed, we created Fight for Freelancers USA, which now brings in people from all kinds of states that didn't even have these problems to begin with, but now they understand what's going on. They want to be part of this. Um, so in terms of who is running it, it's still the handful of volunteer freelance writers who created it. We do it in our spare time on our own nickel. Um, I could have written and sold two books by now in the amount of time it has taken to get this sorted out. But it's a, it's a valuable place to go to try to understand what the heck is going on, because all of this is very new to all of us. None of us, as Lisa said, we've never been involved in advocacy work. We don't understand. I didn't know Steve Sweeney's name when he put that bill right. forward in New Jersey. You know, So we all are trying to figure this out in our own states and at the federal level. Well, what's the National Labor Relations Board? Why do they have anything to do with me? You know, all of these things we all talk about in those different places from different angles. That's what we're doing. So it, you know, the union model, um, and this is a nonpartisan thing. So I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, but the union model is essentially 
you know, finding out which candidate is going to support your cause, whether it's the PRO Act, whether it's the, you know, in the 1930s, it was the Wagner Act, whatever it is, and then giving the endorsement or the rejection to whichever candidate supports or doesn't support you, right? It, you've got midterm elections coming up. You've got off-year elections in various states. It might be from a political advocacy standpoint, and I don't know if 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 you have to register as, as anything because you're truly independent and you're just going a single cause. If it'd be worth like somehow kind of gathering that hub because you're going to get into primary season soon well, if you're so not already in it. Just to be clear, we are not a political organization. Right. No, I know that. We are a grassroots, nonpartisan group. Many of our members are Democrats. Mem- many are progressives. Many are pro-union. Some right. are That's members of unions. a very good point. Unions. We really have to, we have to make a good point because we've all been smeared with or tarred with, or I guess, I guess that's kind of pejorative. We've all been told we were right-wing crazy lunatics, and most of us are in the creative fields. Most of us have been lifelong Democrats. Um, I will say that I'm now no-party preference, largely because of AB5. Um, you know, my mom was a teacher in the union and all that stuff. And I grew up thinking all that was good stuff, you know, um, me too. Both my parents, union school teachers in New Jersey, if you'd asked me two, three years ago, what do I think the unions? No problem. It's why my parents have a pension now that they're retired today. My opinion has changed based on the way they are treating me and what they're the, this is bullying and they need to get off my lawn. This is outrageous. Well, so my my point with that is again, I'm staying nonpartisan on this. You got y'all have a y'all. I just had a conversation about using the term y'all earlier, um, but y'all have a single cause, and it's are you going to eliminate my job through ABC or not? You know, exactly. and that's and all you do is just state the candidate's position. You know, whether it's Democrat or Republican, because I think if enough Democrats realize that there's a much bigger constituency with 59 free 59 million freelancers out there that if they go down that road of eliminating those jobs they're probably going to anger a lot more people than they please by exactly you know, they need to do the they need to do the math and not only that I mean, we've been treating it like a binary, as if you come out of the womb being a freelancer or someone who works at a traditional job. I had a, I had a traditional job for decades before I became a freelancer. A lot of people are, who are actually in unions now have freelance gigs that they do on the side. Um, you know, people have seasons of their life in different life situations where, you know, you, now your, your, your father needs to be taken care of at home. You need to work from home now and, and, ha- and, be, and have your hours be flexible because you want to take care of your, your, your dad or your kids or, or both, you know, especially women, as, as Kim said. So there's lots of situations in which freelance should remain a choice, regardless of the fact that it, that it, that it should be no government's right to take that away from us. Just for practical purposes, it doesn't make any sense. For, for that to no longer be a choice. And it's only because unions want to want to stamp out any 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 chance of anybody doing anything outside of their control that that they're trying to rip that away from everyone. So everyone this is everybody's problem, because if you're not freelancing now, you might want to someday and you won't be able to. Right. You know? And to your well, point about the the lawmakers, Peter, uh, I have been in a lot of rooms now with a lot of lawmakers at the state and federal levels. This is what I have seen behind closed doors, and it's different from what we see in public. Behind closed doors, I don't even have to have meetings with most of the Republicans. They're just with us, whether they agree with us or they're just against whatever the Democrats are for, that they're, they're with us. 
when I meet with Democrats, and when I say I, there, there's always several of us in that room with Fight for Freelancers. We, we are a team with everything we do. And many of us in that room, as Lisa said, have voted Democrat for a lot of years, or, or did at least prior to this issue. Um, we see two kinds of Democrats. We see what I call the moderate, more middle of the road, people who have some kind of experience with business. Uh, it takes maybe five minutes, 10 minutes in that room and they're with us and they understand the problem. They may not be saying so publicly because they don't wanna put their campaign contributions at risk from the unions, but they understand the problem they don't want to do it. They know they refer to AB5 as a dumpster fire. They they know that this is a mess. It's a busted policy, but it's what their big donors want. So they don't say it publicly. The ones we have zero chance of ever getting are coming from they're either people like Lorena Gonzalez and Steve Sweeney who are on the payroll of the unions literally and they're there right. to do this or the progressive left, because the unions have joined forces on this with the Democratic Socialists of America. If you go to the DSA website, they'll, they say flat out, this is our top legislative priority to get this passed. Um, so when we try to talk to lawmakers from the hard progressive left, it's kind of like trying to talk to somebody on the hard right about gun legislation. You might as well be talking to a brick wall. You're not right. gonna get anywhere. Um, so that is what we have seen. Within the Democratic Party itself, there are very reasonable lawmakers who understand this is wrong. And I think that's why you're seeing it not get through. And I think that's why we're seeing so much concern about what's going to happen now with regulatory workarounds, because there seems to be a fear that it's their last big chance before the midterms. To your point, this may be the only way they can get something done. And that's why there were so many amicus briefs filed in that case before the NLRB, because everybody thought maybe this is our last shot. To, to make a difference and make a voices heard. Well, I, I would submit that um, it's probably going to fall on deaf ears with the majority who are sitting at the NLRB, um, which means then legislatively, it's going to have to be undone through the Congress. And whether that can be done or not, but that puts it again back on, you know, forget the Republicans, but if you've got to either put people up who are, you know, moderate Democrats who kind of understand business as you're talking about. And, you know, for some of them, yeah, you're never going to win over the AOCs or the progressives on the issue, but um, there's enough reasonableness in there where if you say to them, look, if you support this measure, we're going to find somebody to primary you. And, you know, it's literally just taking a, a page out of the progressives playbook. You know, they're doing it on the left. So you just kind of have to do it back, so to speak. And it's not, again, trying to stay nonpartisan on this, but it's one of those things where you're talking about your livelihood and, you know, 59 million Americans may lose that livelihood. And, I, you know, a lot of companies will just find, we'll go to India, you know, to get copywriters, you know, so it's about jobs. And it's, you know, from the grassroots level, trying to get people to wake up. And I think you had said something on on the podcast I listened to, uh, that you guys did last week is you got to get louder. That's our motto at Fight yeah. for Freelance. Just yeah. get louder so they, they see that we're here and that we're not going away. Um, and, and it, you know, in terms of how people vote, do I know members of, of our group who used to vote Democrat and are now voting Republican specific to this issue? Yes, I do. 
way more than one. Absolutely a thing. A lot of people cross the line um, last election because of this. I also know lots of people who believed that if Donald Trump were elected, well, they may lose their, their career, but they didn't want to lose the country. That's how they felt about it. And so they still voted for Biden and decided they'd try to get him to listen. So I think that in terms of telling people how to vote, that's not something we do at Fight for Freelancers. What we do is try to fix the legislative problem, which is this ABC test is crazy and needs to be blown to smithereens and buried in a hole and hit with a nuclear bomb and never brought back again. And and we seem to be able, if we can get in a room with reasonable lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, we seem to be able to stop the worst of the craziness at this point. We shouldn't have to, is how we, we're just people. We don't get paid to do this. We're not lobbyists. This is ridiculous. I shouldn't, I shouldn't know my way around the state house. That's nuts. But we do, and because that's what's required, because of what they're doing to us. So are they making us mad? Yeah. Is it mad enough to change, to, to, to become a political movement? I think that's somebody else's. We're, we're not a political organization. We're just not. We're a non yeah, No, I don't, I don't think you should be. I think you're a single-issue organization, and it's just, I would want to know. And here's what, what I found over, God, 30 years actually before that, even when I was in the union movement, people just go to work. They want to get their dog. They don't want to have to go to the state house. They don't want to have to go, you know, write a letter to their congressman, stuff like that. So when I was the editor of our local unions newsletter, we would get stuff coming out of DC, the union's headquarters and say, Hey, put this in. And I, you know, take an article from DC and then I'd write articles and stuff like that. But it was literally, okay, here's where and this is going back to the Bush one years, you know, here's where candidate Clinton stands. Here's where Bush stands, not to advocate because you don't really want to say you should vote for this person or that. But if you point out whether they're anti-worker versus, you know, on behalf of greedy corporations, people get the message. What I, I think would say- that to, to do that in a newsletter where you send it out and there's no feedback coming your way is one thing. To do it in a Facebook group filled with people from all across the political spectrum is a very different situation. No, and, I agree. And this is way before Facebook. I mean, we're still yeah. on mimeographs. It doesn't matter whether people, our experience is it doesn't matter people were, are on the left or the right or the center. The minute it goes political, people shut down, they fight, it gets nasty, it gets awful. We have to kick people out of the group. We just don't want that vibe. We are all in agreement. This is a, this is a nonpartisan issue where we are united across the political divide that this policy is wrong and this ABC test needs to be stopped. And that is where we draw our line and we stop talking. That's, that's what we say. That's what we're doing. And that is how we are able to keep the coalition together. What, what I love is, you know, getting loud is one thing we've been, we've been loud. We've been shouting into the wind. We're the old man shouting at the cloud. What we have to be, we have to be loud. We also have to be clear. And by focusing on the ABC test, and 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 it's and it's and it's ugly cousins that that are appearing in some of these other laws, rather than AB five pro ad. People don't people don't people can't follow all that stuff. But we can just focus on the ABC test and the attack on independent contractors that is being inserted into all these different places. Then we can focus people's attention, and that's an easier argument to make, easier for them to call up their reps and say, I don't want the ABC test in this law, or I don't want the ABC test in any law. Or I want, you know, I, or any, any, any misclassification 
um, criteria like the ABC test that makes independent contracting harder. I don't want that. Most you people know. don't even know what an, that they are an independent con. They, they don't know that term. We at one point had to start saying in New Jersey, this affects you if you get paid on a 1099 or you pay people on a 1099. That's and then right. people went, oh, wait a minute, that's me. Right. When, no one thinks it applies to them. Everyone thinks it applies to someone else. Yeah, no. they, don't, they don't even understand that if you're running a catering company and you're hiring bartenders, yeah, buddy, you probably have an issue with this. They don't, they don't, it doesn't, independent contractor is a tough phrase. Self-employed, it's a tough phrase. People know that they get a 1099 tax time. That kind of busts through the noise a little bit. Right. Yeah, and, you know, again, this kind of goes back to education with, like, you know, getting to, John Q. Public, and what I found just in this decades, people, it's message repetition. You have to continually get your word out there, new stuff all the time, same same thing, developing an echo chamber, so to speak. Um, but and where you have full time paid union representatives going to the state house all the time, you know, you can look at a. A union's LMs, which are their financial reports, and just see how much time they spend on political activities. You know, and it's it's a significant amount. So I give you you folks kudos in terms of you know doing this when you have other businesses and other gigs to do. <laughs> it's it is truly grassroots. We're really quite tired. <laughs> we yeah. shouldn't have to be doing this. No, just, I, so that I shouldn't have to learn how to write an amicus brief for the National Labor Relations Board just so that I can continue to write and sell an article to a magazine. You know what, Kim, the, after reading it, I think you have another gig you could do is actually sell your <laughs> writing skills to write to law firms and, and doing the amicus briefs. People it's, apparently make a bunch of them. I Googled it. People are making like um, between ten and $40,000 to write those things. Yeah. And so all, all of us contributed to it. It's, it's always a team effort. You'll, you'll see. It's not just my name on the front of that thing. A lot of people work very hard on that you thing. Can, but you could start another 1099 company called Amicus Brief Writers. What, what we understand from the feedback we've gotten from lawyers who've read it is it's readable. It's not right. only readable, but almost every sentence has a citation with a study that you can go look at and dig into. It's not just us talking off the top of our heads. We've compiled all this information for years that we've been putting in front of lawmakers, but, but you can read it. If you sit and like you said at the beginning, you try to read some of these things, my God, you, you need a bottle of booze and a bottle of pills to get through them. Right. They're horrible, right? It's right. terrible. So we're writers, not lawyers. We're not arguing this case versus that case. I, I can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. But I can I can tell you everything you want to know about independent contractors in this country and, and why you need to respect the choice of self-employment that has existed since the founding of the nation. Yeah, that that's an interesting point that you've got in there as well. Is it we as a country have always had, quote, independent contractors. From day one. Absolutely. Yeah. The very first United States Congress, the second session of the first United States Congress created the U.S. Copyright Act. People like me sell copyrights to our work. It, it, we've had this ability to work this way since the 1700s. They need to stop attacking it. This is this is crazy town. Right. So let me let me ask you where um, where should readers go or listeners go to read? I've got the link to the uh, amicus brief, the fight for freelancers. 
Um, Lisa, any, anywhere I've also got the, uh, personal stories and that was interesting with the personal stories for, of AB five, cause there is hundreds of different classifications on there that people have told what's happened to them. Well, only if you want to be incredibly frustrated and sad, should you go there because there are people who've lost careers that they love, that they've worked in for a long time. People who are considering suicide because they can't do what they were doing all this time. People who, people are immigrants who came to this country and, and, and were working as freelance translators who no longer have their, their uh, livelihood. So it's really, it's really rather disheartening, you know, especially since there was so little, um, relief for these folks no matter how hard we tried we did we did we did get some we did make some progress the sad part is though you know the, the pro act and some of these other um some of these other laws you know we fought for every little exemption every little crumb that we got back from people in california but there are no exemptions in any of these laws the federal laws at all um you know and, and there of course there were exemptions um to 85 right. before they before it even passed you know, if you had a lobbyist in Sacramento, you got an exemption. So if you walk around with Century 21 on your jacket, you could still be an independent contractor because real estate agents didn't were exempt and insurance agents and all kinds of other like professions who had big lobbies in Sacramento. So if you have friends in government, you can probably get, you know, find a find a way to still keep your livelihood. But um, anyway, I know yeah, you're that's an interesting that. point is, yeah, there were exemptions carved out for AB5 in California, but in the PRO Act, that would be almost impossible to do because it's a national law. Right. It were so, to get signed in. Yeah. But to your point, Peter, your question, where can people go? Um, what the action, stories that, yeah, yeah, the stories what, that what were collected, items? the the group Freelancers Against AB5 did all the hard work. A woman named Karen Anderson Yet another woman um, created that group, and they compiled, I think they're up over now, 600 professions affected. That work is being done in California through that Freelancers Against AB5 group. On uh, Facebook or Twitter, you can find us at Fight for Freelancers USA. Um, if people want to follow me personally, I'm at the Kim Cavan, K-I-M-K-A-V-I-N. I don't know who the other Kim Cavins are who got there first, but I had to put a V <laughs> in front of my name. Um, again, we're just people trying to figure this out and making our voices heard. And if you want to come join us and yell at some lawmakers until they get the message that they need to respect the choice of self-employment, we'd love to have you with us. That's awesome. Well, Kim, Kim Caven and Lisa Rothstein, thanks for coming on Labor Relations Radio. I appreciate it. And anytime you want to come on, I'm going to leave the door open for that. So... Thanks for oh. having us. Yes, thanks for having us. And if you want to follow what's going on on social media, there's hashtags like no pro, hashtag no pro act, hashtag repeal AB5 and things like that. And I'm, I'm Da Vinci Diva on Twitter, which is where I do most of my screaming at the clouds. Right. And, and hashtag fight for freelancers. Like, hashtag fight for freelancers. That's hashtag read the brief. We'll take you to the end. Oh, that's yeah. a new <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I, Kim, I can't recall. I think that's where I met you is through Twitter. And Lisa, definitely, because we, we just started yeah. communicating like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And if you want to read the, um, the amicus brief or the amicus brief, um, the short link to, 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 to find it, if, 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 if I can't remember if Kim mentioned it or not, is if you a bit.ly link, so bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash read the brief, and you'll be able to go right uh, to. Okay. I'm going to put that on there. Read the brief. Yep. If you want to understand what's been happening the past couple of years and how it is now gotten to the national level and why we're all so frustrated, read the brief. Yeah, it's interesting that um, in the dissenting, this whole case with the Atlanta Opera uh, was involving the unionization attempt of, I believe it's some wig makers and 
um, some basically independent contractors and the dissenting opinion or the dissenting comments coming from the uh, members at the NLRB, which is Kaplan and Ring, said to begin, no party to this case has asked the board to overrule, modify, or even revisit Super Shuttle, which is a, another case. And so the, the NLRB, the union attorneys on the NLRB are just opening this Pandora's box because they want to, because they can't get it done legislatively. It's exactly what's happening. And it's exactly why we are doing our best to be in that mix. Yeah. Well, we've been on for about an hour and a half and I, I appreciate the time and I look forward to talking with you again, hopefully soon. You too, Peter. Thank you. All right. Thanks. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. That was Kim Caven and Lisa Rothstein, both fighting for freelancers across the United States. Kim obviously is in New Jersey, Lisa's out in California, but there are dozens of others that are leading the charge on the front lines of this battle. Now, you'll notice we did not talk about the specific text of the ABC test, and and that primarily is because we wanted to keep it at a higher level. But if you want to read the actual text of the ABC test, it is under the audio portion of this episode of Labor Relations Radio, along with links on how you can get involved. There's the Fight for Freelancers USA website, their Facebook group, as well as on Twitter, you can follow Fight for Freelancers or hashtag Fight for Freelancers. There are dozens and dozens of people leading this. Uh, and there's tens of thousands of people involved. But if you're one of the 59 million Americans whose livelihoods are at risk, if they eliminate the your ability to do gig work or freelance work or be, being an independent contractor, you probably want to get involved in this. What they cannot accomplish in the state house, they're trying to do federally, and what they cannot do in Congress, they are trying to do through the administrative agencies. So you need to get involved if you're a gig worker or a freelancer and make your voice heard. Now, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can get hold of us on Twitter at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT on laborunionnews.com or you can give us a call at 1-888-668-6466. Thanks for listening. listening to Union Free Radio.